Welcome to another episode of the Five Senses Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Zinni. Today, I'm sitting down with one of my favorite people, Maria Lynham, who's a community organizer for groups such as the Democratic Women of the Prescott Area and Prescott Indivisible. And today, we're going to be highlighting her life in community organizing, but then also talking about Democratic candidates that came from Prescott Indivisible and some other stuff like that. Maria, thank you for being in the studio. Thank you. It's nothing nothing like being um, interviewed by one of my favorite people. So <laughs> thank you for having me. No problem, Maria. And um, the one thing that I feel is our connection is that we're both from the upstate New York and Western New York area. And uh, when I found that out, I was like, all right, cool. I, I can yeah. dig Maria. Like my people, right? <laughs> But we are here to, um, you know, help our community out in the Quad City area. So um, from my understanding, you do a lot of community organizing with these groups. And I just want to know, when was the first time that you felt motivated to go out and um, be a part of the community? Well, I've always been part of the community. And uh, for years, I taught art classes. I made my own art. I was very involved with Prescott Center for the Arts. And I was on the Visual Arts Committee and their board. So that was my entree into the community. And after 45 got elected, um, I kind of went into a, a visual slump. I couldn't, I couldn't create any art. I was just kind of depressed. It's like, really? We, we elected this guy, right? So before... The women, the first women's march, which was in um, the end of January of 2017, I saw a little ad in the paper that said people were getting involved at um, Granite Peak Unitarian Universalist con Congregation. And just so the people that are listening know, it's called GPUUC. So when you hear me use that again, you'll know what it is. So I went to this um, poster making party and I brought all my, all my poster stuff. Well, by the time I got, when I got there, it was so crowded that nobody could possibly make a poster and 80% of the people I knew. So I thought, well, this is pretty cool, you know? So it turned out to be a social, socially political um, event. And then the Women's March happened and the first Women's March, we had 1,200 people. And that was like, oh, my God, you know, all these people have, feel the same way I do. So that kind of energized me because I think we were all kind of feeling um, dispirited at that point. And then a few weeks later, so another ad in the paper that, Pres that what is now known as Prescott Indivisible, where they were having their first meeting at the library in the founder's room. And again, we had to turn people away. Um, over probably 150 people came and the room <laughs> took 60. So we had a waiting list. And again, you know, it was like just encouragement. I never really thought of myself as being a community organizer or an activist until actually 2017. Really? And I've been, I was always involved in the community, in communities, in community um, organization, I guess, but more, it was always for the arts. When we lived back in New York, I uh, started a 
a program in the schools for the arts, bringing art in and art classes in uh, to the classroom when we had budget cuts. And that's still going on today. It was a program that I set up and it, and it's still alive, which considering it's 40 years later is quite amazing. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome, yeah. And then I also um, founded our friends at the library in our town. And like this library, I, it was a community effort. So I've been involved in community efforts, but not in the political spectrum. More, um, yeah, for art education and education in general. Okay. So. Very, very uh, interesting, Maria, that um, one person being elected could spark that fire inside of you to go protest and, you know, try to change it. Well, when you figure in the first year of the current administration, there were over 125 protests nationally. Not that Prescott Indivisible did that. But the people in the U.S. are really concerned about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you kind of, you feel like you're part of a bigger picture. You keep on telling us that you're involved with Prescott Indivisible. So for our audience members out there, um, could you describe what the mission of Prescott Indivisible is? Well, we are one of 6,000 chapters of Indivisible across the U.S. or a grassroots movement, anybody can join us, which is really nice. And we're concerned with basically keeping our democracy safe. And right from the very beginning, the purpose of Indivisible, National Indivisible, has been to remove the current president and his administration. So that's what we try to do. Okay. And just uh, knowing more about President Invisible, uh, you have committees that work on different social topics. Is that we correct? We do. We mm -hmm. have a number of teams. Uh, we have the immigration, our immigration team, education, environment, communication, um, voter education. And then we have a group called the Peacekeepers. So if if we have a protest, um, they're the ones that liaison that, have, yeah, they liaise with the police department and make sure that we are safe. We have a, a really good team. And one of the things that I started when um, Indivisible, actually Prescott Indivisible was formed, I do what is now a biweekly newsletter called Persist and Resist. And it brings the community together. And Prescott Indivisible, we've become a collaborator. We work with other organizations that have the same concerns that we do. And it, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's amazing how many people um, attend our protests, our meetings, read the newsletter. And don't you ever make a mistake because <laughs> you'll hear about it. So. Right. <laughs> okay. So you you were talking about the Women's March and recently to date this show, we also had the Black Lives Matter March um, or protest a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, you were there. Um, I was all in Colorado doing my little adventure. Um, how was that? Because there was a lot of like misinformation in my mind about like what was going on about like it was Antifa, but it was really like 90% Prescott people, right? 
Yeah, I would say 100% Prescott people. Nobody was bussed in. But let me just start by saying, um, because of family health issues, I was under quarantine. So I could not join okay. the protest per se, but I stayed in my car. I had my little black banner and my sign. And it was peaceful. It was organized by students. So, you know, it gave another dimension that we that we miss because we've tried very hard to be inclusive with the with the younger community. But, you know, um, their work and school precludes a lot of social activism and or political activism. So this was the first time that students um, came together and pulled pulled our Black Lives Matter um, protest or march together. And they got some, again, it was the first time most of them had been involved in any kind of protest um, action. So they were advised by Ren Manning, who is, oh, I can't remember exactly her title, but she teaches it. She's an adjunct at Prescott College, and she also is the head of the social justice program with GPUUC. And she advised them how, you know, what do you have to do? You have to tell the police. You have to, you know, get the word out via Facebook or whatever and make sure that people know this is a peaceful march and, you know, what the purpose is. And they just did a phenomenal job. I've got to hand it to them. Nice. So it was that they at least 800 people. Mm -hmm. And there were a few um, demonstrators from the other the other persuasion, who I'm not exactly sure what, why they would ever, why anybody would ever say black lives don't matter or they're not. Yeah, I know. But we had one guy walking around with his gun, but it was in a holster. And then we, there were a number of people um, with their weapons outside of the palace. And they said that they were there to protect the businesses of Prescott, but I, what can I say? It was, it was a good, it was a good march. And I also, I just want to say one more thing. When you um, mentioned anti, Antifa, what that means is that you're anti-fascism. Okay. And they have taken that word and skewed it and made, made it seem like a, another supremacist organization. And you think what it means, and I'm not, I'm not too sure, you know, what, how that got so twisted. Mm -hmm. But anyone who is anti-fascist is, in essence, an antifa. So okay, right, and fascism is the direct opposite of what a democracy should look like. Is that That's correct? correct? All right. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you're very active in the community and that um, even with misinformation or even like with the people protecting the palace, you were just there exercising your First Amendment right. That's right. Um, so let's change the subject of protesting because, you know, we are living in 2020 right now, the year of really, you, I don't even know what's going to happen in July or in August or whatever. Um, but it's also an election year, it is. right? And it's a very important election year, um, not only for the United States, but in the state of Arizona, mm -hmm. right? And so through Prescott Invisible, I understand that you have a few people 
who are going to be running for office. And I was wondering, um, what are the, who are the candidates um, from Prescott Invisible and what do they stand for and what are their, what are their, uh, what's their campaign going towards? Currently we have, there's two members uh, that are running for office. Judy Stahl is running for LD1, um, Arizona State House. And she is the only Democrat on the ticket. She will not be in any, you know, she will not be in a primary in August. So um, her, part of her platform, she's very environmentally conscious. She, you know, she's promoting solar to be used um, throughout the state. And she is also concerned with, I, I don't really want to call it tax reform, but it is right now the state of Arizona offers tax incentives to large corporations. And it ta- that takes away, that starves the, um, the flow of money through the state because they don't pay, they're not paying any income tax or very limited income tax. So it affects our education. There's not enough money in the budget. Well, there is definitely not enough money in the budget for education, but it trickles down and small businesses are paying more than their fair share because you have large corporations coming in not paying at all or very limited amounts. So that's another issue that she's very concerned about. And she'd like to bring um, telemedicine to the county because our county, as so many of you know, is bigger than the state of Rhode Island. And there are areas that are inaccessible that don't have any kind of medical um, support. So she, you know, she's encouraging that. And the biggest thing I think on her agenda really is supporting education. It's just huge. I mean, we're starving and our kids are suffering from lack of funding in the classroom and teachers, as you know, because you're a teacher or, um, there's just not enough. There's not enough money. You, you take money out of your pocket to provide for your students. And I've probably forgotten a few things because it's extensive. Um, I suggest that you go on judystall.com and, <clears throat> excuse me, she has her, her platform questions and answers. And she's also looking for volunteers. So if anybody wants to get involved, uh, go on again, judystall.com and click volunteer and, or donate and help her out. And then the other member who is running um, for public office is John Lutz. And he is currently the chair of the Yavapai County Democratic Party. And he's running for Yavapai County Board of Supervisors in District 1. And his website is Lutz and then the number 4, B-O-S-S, I believe, dot com. And they're both on Facebook. So John has a number of concerns also. (laughs) He's, again, a huge proponent of solar. And we've talked um, at various times. Yavapai County potentially 
you know, we could have, maybe we could have our own grid. I don't know. He doesn't know either, but it's something that is in the back of his mind. And then he's concerned about um, animal rights. The, you put a highway in, make corridors available so the animals can cross. Otherwise, there's going to be mass slaughters on our highways. It's a, it's a big problem. And he wants to fund more fully our county libraries and also the parks and rec, parks and recreation. So, again, it's a lot of it's for the kids, but a lot of it's for the older um, population, too, because that's where you go. If you're in an outlying district, the library is like the center of, the t of many of the smaller towns. And then he's also um, not in favor of building the proposed jail okay. at, at this time. And that's a whole other issue. The current Board of Supervisors um, raised our property taxes to fund a jail that had, not, that had been voted down twice by the citizen citizenry of Yavapai County. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. So that's a whole different whole different thing. And we'll be hearing a lot more of that, I think, in the in the election. Okay. Um so, so is the jail going through or is it the jail's already I mean, they've budgeted for okay. the money for the jail, but it hasn't been spent yet. Right now I think they're spending money on um architects plans and it's it's in the it's in the infancy. Okay. I think it's beyond that. Um, but yeah, they have the land. This they know what they, they need in the jail. And I don't know, you know, okay. especially now when sales tax is lower and and you know the county has over over half a billion dollars. That's what the, yeah, that's what they administer. So is, are we going to put a good portion into that, into building a new jail or potentially beefing up rehabilitation and looking at right. different, different ways to keep our, the criminal population down? <laughs> so you're a part of the Democratic Women of Prescott area, all right? Mm -hmm. And so um, can you talk to us a little bit about that organization? Sure. I've been uh, the chair of the Democratic Women of the Prescott area for the past year and a quarter. And what we do is basically we support women that are running, that want to run for office, and we support um, education mainly. And we have um, a number of scholarships. Once a year, well, this year we gave three scholarships to high school students and then one to high school student who was a DACA student and it's to further their education and you know as they go along to go on to college and we also support Emerge Arizona which is an organization that prepares women for public office so we usually give at least one of those scholarships every year so just to fund those four scholarship or those five scholarships uh, we have to raise almost six thousand dollars every year and so part of our mission is to raise money to keep our programs going. But 
We also encourage our members to volunteer for um, various campaigns, political campaigns. And then this year, we're working in conjunction with Prescott Indivisible on a project. It's called the Voter Values Project. And the purpose is to move and not to move, but to contact independents who are almost, I'm trying to think of the statistics. I think there's almost as many independents as there are Republicans. So there are fewer Democrats, and then there are more, a lot, the, the biggest block are the independents, and then there are the Republicans. So we will never make headway until we reach the independents. So the Voter Values Project is specifically to reach independents, first of all, to um, remind them to sign up for the permanent early voting list. And then secondly, to ask them what their concerns are. Because it's only by finding out what, what the problems they see facing us that our candidates can address them. Are they valid? We don't, what are they? We, we just don't know. So um, we're working together on that project. And right now, Prescott Indivisible, we're kind of using this logo that's stronger together because that's what we are. The progressive organizations, if, if we work together, we are definitely stronger. And I'm a big believer in collaboration. If you can pull somebody else in that supports your values and that will work with you, that is the best of all worlds. So um, we're just about out of time, Marie, and I was wondering okay. if you could um, tell our audience where they can find more information about the two organizations that you've uh, mentioned. Okay. Prescott Indivisible. You can go on Prescott Indivisible, one, one word, dot org, and we have a new website. It's, it's still being a little bit tinkered with, but it's, it's, it's quite impressive. So you can sign up, you can volunteer, and uh, we have our monthly meetings on Zoom. Democratic Women of the Prescott area is dwpaaz.org. And we also, um, we have another phenomenal website. And um, anything you want to know about the organization and what we are doing is on that. Again, you can donate, you can volunteer, see what our programs are, upcoming programs. We have our monthly meetings on Zoom. And in addition, both organizations have very active Facebook pages. So Maria, thank you very much for being our guest today. I loved every minute of it. Oh, I bet. Right. Thank you um, so much. No problem. Uh, tell Bill I said hi. I will. And um, Likewise, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> and for more information, log on to 5ensesmag.com, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget, the magazine is back in print.